Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to our second episode now of the MSA Take. And today we are joined by none other than the lovely Haley. And I, Haley is currently in her first year at UNSW studying psychology. And she also has one of the coolest jobs, might I add. She works as a museum educator and gets to teach young children about history, which sounds really super cool. And I think she, I'm correct in adding that she's also quite interested in herbalism and kind of holistic, those kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. I do love my little herbs and my teas. They make me very happy. So yeah. I love that. Fun fact, she is drinking tea as we are recording this episode, so she truly does love her tea. Can I share what's in the, this yeah. tea? It's chamomile, lavender, and rose, so a very neat. It is It is very good, might I add. Did, yeah, I did yeah. ask you how it was. Yeah. Does it have something like a unique, you know how all different teas sometimes have something very unique? This is for relaxation, digestion. This one's for love. Oh, well, I guess. It's called love. That's like the, <laughs> I don't know in what. Content. Like, obviously, it's just more like, oh, it's feel nice. Maybe self-like care mm. is what they mean by that. Like, that's how they... Self-love. Self-love, I would say. Mm. Remember, sisters, love does not always have to be romantic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, loves that. Um, and yeah, oh, another really cool thing is um, Haley was mentioning that she really loves pottery. So that's a true... Yeah, I don't do it. I don't do it myself, but I, I like to collect earthenware pottery. Oh, okay. That's my little fun. Yeah. Okay. So I'm imagining at home you have a lot of little plants around. Do you? I have two in my room. I only have two plants, um, but I do have like, I have this beautiful pot um, that I found in a thrift store. Oh, it's just so beautiful, um, but it's like an earthenware. So yeah, that sort of opened me up to um, just wanting to collect as many as possible of those. Would you ever be open to giving it a try? to giving like trying to trying to make your own oh goodness me um I would be open to that I feel like this is like a one-off thing yeah as a one-off thing for sure <laughs> inshallah god willing uh, yes that opportunity comes up for me um but yeah yeah because I'm sure sometimes I've seen they have little workshops for mosaic clams or pottery and these kind of things so yeah cute little fun activity yeah. we should maybe something for future sister social events write that down <laughs> yeah Selma get onto that <laughs> real um another very really cool part of Haley is that she is involved in our publications team yeah with the MSA a lot of very beautiful pieces I think I had the pleasure of working you on one piece previously I had the pleasure of working on it with you. Oh, <laughs> to be fair, she she did take on most of like the important. I think it was a piece where um, you were the one who wrote the actual stimuli. And then based on that, I did a bit of a hybrid photograph slash drawing. It was, I think, based on like, you know, Indigenous like Australians and how we can like connect islam to like the love of the land and that kind of thing yeah absolutely yeah. i mean it was beautiful and your um illustration was just so unique and it wasn't because i didn't really know what we we just sort of wrote or drew yeah. what we wanted and then we put it together so it was really beautiful alhamdulillah yeah um i think yeah it's really important and i'll just quickly mention this is that like as much as it is, and I, you know, it was mentioned in the um, piece of writing about how we can learn from indigenous peoples here as much as that, we can also share, like we share a lot with Indigenous um, peoples around the world. But as Muslim, like Australian Muslims, we can learn about our identity 
by looking to the people who have been living here for so long, right? Because they, we share so much with them. Um, and the only reason I'm really conscious or aware of this, alhamdulillah, is because in my job as a museum educator, I teach a lot of Indigenous culture. So from that, I've learned, oh, wait, we actually, we have so many similarities, subhanAllah. Um, so yeah, I just, it's- We have a specific aha moment, I guess, like- that really makes you think, oh, wow, this is something like I didn't even think of before, but like it's actually so similar. Well, yeah, can I share um, just a little story? I was um, at like the doctor one day waiting to get like whatever, I'm, I'm like a blood test or something. Um, I was at the doctor one day and while I was waiting, I ended up having a conversation with a man who was Indigenous and he asked me, what do you call it, what you're wearing on your head? And I was like, oh, it's a hijab. And he was like, oh, can men wear one too? And I was like, they can, but like not in the same way. I was trying to say that the hijab of the eye mm-hmm. um, and he didn't really understand what I was saying, but he was so curious and so open and he was with his wife and we just ended up speaking and they were sharing their story. They had moved from Queensland actually oh. to Sydney um, to have maybe a be- like a better life for their daughter. And they were mentioning about their, their daughter and how they like we sent we wanted to send our daughter to a women like a girls only high school because in our culture we believe that there are separate things for men and women mm-hmm. that men and women um they can share things but there's also that difference and I was like subhanallah like this is something that's been acknowledged in a culture for hundreds and thousands of years um however people look to Islam from the outside and think oh that's like really old like that's a, an old concept that you have these separations between the genders um or like we have our own sisterhood and brotherhood I mean like I, at least for me coming from a western world that's very not seen as normal like it's very strict and you know that understanding of religiosity is it's it's very it's an old tradition that has no space in the modern day but to pair that with like these two beautiful people sharing their culture with me and how they were so set on like what it meant like to to be an indigenous person and um share that like to have their culture still embodied in what they did was really cool because we had some similarities there so yeah it was just lovely that that came up in conversation and um yeah yeah that sounds very cool and on that as well I know you really love um you spend a lot of time away with family in the open, trying to reconnect. I believe, I'm not too sure um, what the location was, but you're like, oh, on one of your recent sort of like family trips away to um, the rural side, you mentioned there was like an indigenous town and nearby there was like Muslims near the area. Well, yeah. So I'll give context to that. My um, my grandfather lives in a town called Kudamundra, which is about a four hour drive from here. My mum grew up there as well. Um, so in that area, it's, it's in Wiradjuri country. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's when I, in my, um, piece of writing, I was more so referring to how the place that I grew up in, in the country was on Wiradjuri country. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to pair that with Islam and our understandings of our relationship with the land as well. But what I was also mentioning, I did like a little PS at the bottom, is that half an hour away from Kudamundra, there is now a growing Muslim population in the outback. So um, it was really cool because when I converted to Islam, I was super worried about going back to the country for visits because, you know, it's a country town. They saw me grow up with my grandfather because he was the postman. 
Um, and his name's Pat, by the way. Oh, yes, Does he have a black and white can? No. And I'm telling you, I've got that question my whole life. It was like, no, he had a little budgie growing up. But I was like, no, but he had some budgie. Yeah, the black and white budgie. No. Um, so everyone sort of knew me in that in in the little town because I was his granddaughter and would walk with him in the mornings to drop off the the letters and the mail. Oh, this sweet, subhanallah. Yeah, alhamdulillah. It was it was a really precious time and it just felt like home. Like, you know, when you have that sense of belonging, I think that I felt that there quite strongly compared to Sydney. And the reason why I mentioned I lived between both places is because, yes, my, my parents were here, but um, in the holidays or when whenever they could, I would stay with my grandfather in the country. So there would be long periods where I would stay there and then I would come back to do school here and then go back again. Um, and that was just really lovely. We used to ride our bikes around all the time, like my grandfather and I. Um, yeah, really precious time. But um, again, when I became Muslim and I put the hijab on, I was really worried about what people in the town would think of, you know, this girl who used to run around with her grandpa delivering mail, who's grown up and now she's wearing the scarf. It was just, I was conscious of that. Mm. Um, but it was really beautiful when I visited one time and I realized there was a mosque half an hour away. Oh, no. In Yang. So the, the town is called Yang. It's a mosque. It's a Apparently it's been renovated, but there are so many Muslims there. You can get halal meat. It's just, uh, it was like a, it felt so nourishing. Like I felt really seen by God <laughs> because I was like, it meant so much to me to go there, but I felt so insecure. And it's upsetting that that's how I felt. And it's not, I would say right to feel that way, but I was just really self-conscious of wearing the scarf in a town where they knew me and also it's a country town where they don't yeah. have much like cultural diversity there. So yeah, that was kind of the premise of why I wrote that piece. There was a lot of little things I was trying to blend together. Yeah, no, 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 that's so beautiful. And I guess it kind of just relates back to the, you know, whatever, sac well, not this, not really a sacrifice, but whatever difficult thing you choose to take on for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he will find a way to make it easy for you so I guess that is the way he with hardship comes east that is the way he brought you your east I guess that is so thank you I never had the space to think of it that way so yeah and it's what a beautiful ease it was it yeah. and it is yeah I know we got goosebumps thinking about that yeah and because um you were also you were also mentioning I repeat that. Um, and um, and it's so like, as you were saying, Faisa, it's also so beautiful because you were mentioning you went there worried about how you were seen, but God showed you your scene through, you know, um, being able to discover that mosque near you. Um, and, you know, just listening, that was so relaxing because it reminds me of a very slow living, you know, a calm, slow type of lifestyle. And it kind of reminds me of like, my growing up as well because where I'm from is not as like it I wouldn't say it's like very much a rural place but it's still gonna remain a secret if rough but um <laughs> it's pretty um kind of downstream not that busy not that I guess a lot of people as well so I don't know like even for me as well like whenever I go back like wearing the hijab and stuff there are some there are times that like I feel very I guess not, I guess ostracized is a bit strong of a word, but it's not as easy for me to meld in there compared to like, say in Sydney, where I feel like I'm just another piece of like a very diverse puzzle. Whereas back there, it feels like, you know, 
it's very square and I'm a circle or something like that. But alhamdulillah, I've also been able to witness like the growing of like a Muslim community where I'm from. I see the girls there who are younger than me who are going through high school now and they kind of get to experience more of like a more connected Muslim community than say whatever I got when I was growing up at the same time. So I guess it's kind of beautiful to see how Islam can flourish anywhere and everywhere. And it's important for us as like, I guess, Muslims living in the big city, not to forget like our brothers and sisters who live further out and see what we can learn from them as well. Yeah, absolutely. I actually read in an article from some, like one of the Muslims that were living in this town called Young, and they said that it was so beautiful for them to move there because they didn't have to, uh, how do I phrase this, work their day, no, work their prayers around their day. They could work their day around their prayers because of how slow living, uh, how much they were living quite slowly and intentionally there. They didn't have too too many pressures. And I just think like, Inshallah, there are the Muslim communities grow and grow and grow in those areas because it does give you so much space to be slow. And I think that as a, a Muslim, it's important to have that intentionality um, whenever we can. And when we do live in the big cities, it's very hard to take a moment. Um, it's just think. easy to get caught up in the life of this dunya. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's why being with nature reminds you of that slowness and of that pace. They, it moves gently and it, they're all in constant remembrance of Allah. Nature is constantly in remembrance of Allah. So, of course, it's going to benefit you beautifully. Um, yeah, so inshallah, one day maybe a little farm, everyone can just buy their little <laughs> plot of pot of land and then yeah that literally sounds like the dream i mean i actually that's so <laughs> that's yeah now i'm getting ideas yeah ideas in my head as well sure. and it's particularly important as you both were saying as well because we do not everybody does but at least um in terms of the online space we live in a very busy world now that you know whether you are in the city or not in the city you know in some shape or form usually you are affected by the tide of the rising, you know, media and everything being digitalized, computerized. So there's this information overload, you know. We think now we have like, you know, of course we're blessed with the opportunity to be able to search a lot of things that we couldn't search before, connect in ways we couldn't connect before. But at the same time, it's an overload of things because there's constantly information at you. And it's not information you're processing. It's just information at you. Um, And as you were saying, like before as well, you know, when Faisal put it so beautifully, like, oh, wow, I didn't have that time to digest. And so we end up carrying a lot of things, walking around undigested information or experiences. Mm-hmm. And um, and it, it leads to a lot of digital fatigue. So I'm not sure if that's something you've also experienced because you get to witness that contrast, perhaps like a bit on a bit more of a bigger scale, that dichotomy mm-hmm. of like, Living in a world where digital fatigue can sometimes be quite easy because of all the information. And I think especially at university as well, because so much of what we do is reliant on like digital technology. Mm. I think we're kind of obligated to spend time. In, like, for example, a lot of uni societies or like different uni groups, like you have to communicate through Messenger or like on Facebook groups and stuff. And even though you might not want to, you're kind of obligated to spend time in those spaces and slowly, slowly just increasing like, I guess your digital footprint, which can get a bit exhausting sometimes when, I guess. Yeah, when all you want is to be able to take that break. 
you know, at times. But yeah, how was, have you had those type of experiences and how was sort of that dichotomy? Yeah, well, a few months ago, my phone broke, like half, pretty much most of the screen was black. I could still use it to an extent, but it just, you couldn't, you couldn't do any scrolling, mm. any scrolling. And it was like that. It was like that through Ramadan, by the way. I broke it after oh, coming Allah. back from <laughs> a prayer's Tarawi. Yeah. Um, I was walking inside and the phone smashed. And I was just like, okay, this is the will of God. Like, I'm the And genuinely, it took me like two months to get it. Well, I didn't even get it fixed. Um, I got a new phone, alhamdulillah. But um, I didn't have really have like a working phone for two months. And my... The space that I had internally in my nervous system <laughs> was crazy, subhanAllah. Um, and I, I've never heard it framed that way, like digital fatigue. It is so real. And I, especially, you know, I'm watching my little brother who's become Muslim, alhamdulillah, and he's on TikTok and he scrolls. He's on Muslim TikTok, like mashallah, but he scrolls and scrolls <laughs> and scrolls. And each, like one of these TikTok videos, he's learning a new piece of knowledge about Islam, which is beautiful. But where's the time for integration, right? Where's the time for like sitting with that internally in your heart and thinking, how does this um, help me grow closer to God? We've just got to like, I, I, in general with information, it's like we've got all this information sitting up here, but we don't try digest it, as you said, so it doesn't become knowledge. Mm. I think there's a difference between that. And I think that the internet... Um, having so much access to things there is such a beauty to it as we know like kind of lose that ability to be patient i think there's so many things attention span and plummet yeah harder to concentrate and i realize even in and affect uh, your sleep as well and maybe like, even in comment oh sorry no 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 oh, i was gonna say um when you were mentioning that as well it's a ripple effect because i realize even in conversations with people you might be distracted because you might constantly like things, you know, you might be fiddling around or if you're eating food, just be scrolling on the side. Because yeah. this ideal, we become very, a lot of information. If we're not having a lot of information, we're multitasking, mm. you know. By the way, I just submitted a paper today on multitasking <laughs> and how bad it is for you. Yeah. So I just wanted to put a little side note there. No, multitasking is horrible. I mean, I feel like we're beyond the conversations now of like, you know, the internet, like, this is why it's bad. It's like, oh, no, we, it's bad. Like, there's no more, like, you know, we know is that it's bad. bad or is it not bad? Like, what are the, you know, it's it's, pros, it's it's pros and cons of the internet. Like, we know, I, at least for me, actually, I did uh, in my, like, U12 community and family studies research project, I studied um, the relationship that people had with social media depending on their age. Mm. And so what I found out was that if you were a young person, the internet or just using social media increased your levels of anxiety and low self-worth, depression, as we know, like this is not new conversation. However, for old people, so aged people, the internet or social media was actually really good for them and connecting with people and helping with their loneliness. It's, it's older people, I guess, who do struggle with that kind of like, you know, getting to interact with like new people. Because I find it as well, like whenever I go in for placements at like the hospital or that kind of thing, a lot of the patients we see are usually quite keen and eager to talk to us because they just, I guess they just don't get that time to be able to have that human interaction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it is interesting. Like it helps with their sense of connected 
connectedness. However, it doesn't help with our at, at our age at least. Yeah. Um, our sense of connectedness. So it is We look at us right now. We're so connected, having a nice conversation, not a phone in sight. Not a phone in sight. Not at all. Not, not at all. I was recording with It's just phone. a microphone recording this. It's not. There's <laughs> some kind of manual, you know. Yeah. We're, we're actually cycling while we're doing this. <laughs> Generating. <laughs> Generating electricity to run the country. <laughs> oh, no. So, well, that's a very, very, very cool. Yeah. And, and also thinking about, you know, trying to think about, oh, why could it potentially be that case? Perhaps they've also been able to create that band's growing up. They didn't, you know, they weren't impacted by this or had to use it so frequently. So, you know, when we have the problems of addiction and all of these come in, they've already, how to say, almost created a shield for themselves to be able to use it wisely, perhaps. Yeah. Because they've had that experience. They know what it is to like live offline. But sometimes for a lot of us, we struggle trying to live offline. We're so emotionally spent. And I remember hearing this as well. Um, I can't remember what podcast it was on, but it was mentioning how, you know, when you're online and when you message people and when you're consuming content, you actually, you're, um, you emotionally take away from yourself. You're emotionally spent. So when it comes to in-person conversations, that's why a lot of people sometimes they get very um, anxious about in-person conversations. Or they're not really able to be present because they're always so emotionally spent on the online space. So, so, so yeah. So how was, um, going back, I know you were mentioning that, you know, your phone broke. The phone broke. Ramadan. I'm sure that was probably a very interesting Ramadan for you. It was, I would used to like, my laptop was my friend. So I would like, you know, do all the, the important messages on my laptop on Facebook messenger. But besides that, it just sort of forced me to be okay and to feel safe without my phone because I feel like in a lot of ways we just have our phone there for comfort. It's like the second you think you've lost it, it's like, you know, oh my goodness. In fact, I lost, I lost the phone that I bet that was broken on a fair. So like I had broken it and half the screen, as I mentioned, I couldn't see it. Um, but then one evening I lost, I actually like lost it on a ferry. I am I. And I was just like, well, that's that. Like, like I just, <laughs> that is that. And I double cut that. Yeah. I was like, well, obviously, and now I hummed a lot. I have a new phone, but it's, yeah, my, my, basically my thumb hurts a lot because I have gone back to the scrolling. I have gone back to relying on social media as a form of dissociation in a way of not really wanting to be there. And I think it's important to remember as well that it's, it's common for everyone. Like we rely on social media or the internet to sort of take us away from ourselves yeah we've been birthed into that we haven't really been given the guidelines as to what it means to be a human embodied like embodied in your body and there and be present you would also have a lot of people i guess because social media at this point has just become a very hostile space because literally anyone can come and share their opinion and present it as a fact and then i think people it's like what you were said coming back to the anxiety People are so afraid of how they're being perceived by others that I guess they use words as their shield. And that's not always a good thing because a lot of the, some people just don't know how to, I guess, enunciate themselves in a friendly way, which can so easily start like unnecessary arguments, which I guess is just increases, I guess, the difficulty of being there, I suppose. I think I was going somewhere with that. I didn't really know. Like, No. I, you know what is funny is that we could sit here for hours and hours and hours and talk about 
how bad social media is. Although I do just want to, I think bad is a bit of a heavy word. I would say it's destructive. I think that's the concept psychologically destructive because, and I say that because I don't think our brains have the capacity yet or at all to understand what it means to live digitally. Um, And so naturally it's going to impact us because it's so far away from our fitra. It's so far away from our humanity to, to connect through a device. However, I will say that when there is blessing in it, when God places blessing in whatever way, shape or form, then of Mm. course there is benefit to it because it's from Allah. But Mm. with everything else, it's, yeah, it's got to be done very very intentional about the way you use it and what you plan on doing with it. You know, honestly, as you said, it is really important to be able to take those moments to detach. And sometimes something that's worked for me is actually having designated times where I will check emails or socials. So throughout my day, so because I can some, I've had where I'd just be like checking when I have free free time, but now it's I've had moments and it's helped me so much is where I will only check this, this, this is my checking time. I will reply to everybody then, I will check it then. But then that doesn't feel like it filters into my entire day. It sort of feels like, look, I've got a little block. I'm gonna check it then. Um, and that's something personally that's helped a lot. And another thing is I don't like replying from my phone anymore. There's something about the phone and this where, um, because it's, it doesn't feel as real on a keyboard, at least you can feel the keys, you know, um, and there's some sort of like a sensory experience there. So now I only like to reply from my laptop usually. So I'll just go and if I need to go on WhatsApp, I'll just go on WhatsApp, type from my laptop. Maybe that's something that might help people. Because that's something I realized, just having the phone there, I it just, um, it's really just not good for me. And I think I personally find it so much easier to just use a laptop. Yeah, I that's beautiful, like creating boundaries with yourself. And then also it's more grounding to be able to feel the keyboards. And to, that's, that's, wow, that's a beautiful piece of advice. Thank you. Yeah, I got very excited when threads became a thing. But oh, like, like it's, you know, I can say all of this, but we're all in the same boat. Like we've all somewhat been birthed with it, um, with technology. And I was very excited. I remember everyone on threads that day was like, oh my gosh, it was like the first day at school because it's like, you know, the new social media app. Yeah. I deleted it after a week. <laughs> and last night, by the way, so it's funny that we're having this conversation today. I literally decided I do not want Instagram. I, I've kept oh, wow. trying to convince myself that I want it. And I've made so many different accounts on there to try and ex- I, know, I've seen multiple. You've seen multiple. I would say, <laughs> oh, that's Haley. That's Haley. That's <laughs> awesome. That is only, uh, guys, I'm telling you, there's probably at least six. And last night I was like, I'm kind of done doing this. Mm-hmm. Like I've had Instagram since I was, what, 11, 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I, my, my family, um, I think they didn't really understand or like really get the impacts of social media. I think a lot of parents don't nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um or at least they didn't back then. So I've had it for a long time. Instagram raised me, <laughs> I'm telling you. And that's not a good thing. Like in my in my high school years and it, as well, because I grew up in an area where there was a lot of emphasis placed on what it meant to be a woman of worth, which was how you looked or how many likes you got. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was what raised me as a teenager, was trying to mold myself into what it meant to be a woman and I'm doing the bunny ears by the way guys because this isn't what it means to be a woman but that's how I understood it 
And I think I've been trying to push my way through Instagram now as, you know, someone in their early 20s. And I just don't think I can do it. I love Pinterest, though. I love Pinterest. Is healthy. Um, Instagram (laughs) is not. Everyone get on Pinterest. Yeah. It's very nuanced, by the way. I'm using very, like, black and white terms, but it's very nuanced. I think you have to be very diligent and, as you mentioned, intentional. But I will say I'm done with Instagram personally. I say that today. Who knows what the future holds? But no. yeah, so I, I think I've reached personally my di- my digital fatigue mm-hmm. um, and I'm conscious of it. So yeah, that's where I'm at. Well, I just want to quickly, because I read a um, Quran verse the other day and I don't have it on me. Um, so I'm just going to speak of it. Okay, so um, in Surah Yasin, Ayah 40, Allah says, It is not for the sun to catch up with the moon, nor does the night outrun the day. Each is traveling in an orbit of their own. That's so kind of now. The reason I bring this up in relation to femininity and masculinity, what you were talking about, is because, and I'm going to speak biologically now, women, their hormonal cycle is very similar. And in fact, pretty much the same as the moon. So our hormonal cycle is the moon. And the a male's hormonal cycle is the sun. So 24 hours, they work off a 24-hour hormonal cycle. Mm-hmm. Women work off like a 28-day hormonal cycle. And we see the moon change throughout the month. And we see the sun change throughout the day. And when Allah said here, subhanAllah, I just, obviously we see that physically. And we see that internally if we consider like, it is not for the man to catch up with the woman, nor is it, nor does the woman outrun the day. Um, each is traveling in an orbit of their own. Like we are each just like embodying what it means to be, um, yeah, feminine or masculine. And it's a beautiful balance. Like we don't, if the sun tried to outrun the night and the night tried to outrun the day, it just wouldn't, there wouldn't be that balance there. It's just so perfectly That's played. Beautiful, Aya. Yeah. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember that one, I think. That, that time to my new, stick it up in my, in my room. Yeah, I just, it's beautiful. And that goes with so many things. I think that that's the beauty of the Quran is that there's um, so many beautiful layers that constantly unfold. Um, Mm -hmm. And alhamdulillah, I guess just that day I was reflecting on femininity a little bit and I read that and just immediately I thought, wow, like it's so beautifully placed, obviously, subhanAllah. But um, yeah, so that's, I just wanted to sort of sorry relate to you I didn't want to interrupt no that was not at all not at all as a matter of fact that was actually so golden I think that I think that was just I think I'm kind of left shell-shocked like I don't really know because I think just the beauty of that verse and the fact that in nature is literally like because at the end of the day we are all like natural creatures of creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the way that we've all just been made with such precision I guess Mm -hmm. and that there's really not much that is expected from us as women, I guess, other than like, you know, whatever it has been decreed of us in the Quran as well. That I think that's an important thing to any sisters who might be listening to this, who feel like they're just not enough or who are just struggling with that. Just remember that, you know, there, there really isn't much that's like expect, but the one who, the only one who matters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, really does not expect that much from you. You just have to like, Hmm. I'm not really sure how to enunciate, but you just have to take care of yourself, I suppose. Yes, <laughs> on this. Uh, yeah, I think, honestly, taking care of yourself. I think as women, um, that is one of the, and it's not the common like self-care. It, it's more of like really listening to the rhythms of who you are 
as a woman and what that means. And coming back to those very traditional practices, um, whatever they may be, where if it's maybe resting during the time where Allah decreed you to rest, you know, once out of every month for a lot of women, um, it's just being very, I think, gentle with yourself as well is important. The ayah as well, what's so beautiful, I'm, I'm trying to remember the full context, but there is a passage in the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about his signs and he's talking about how he's created you know, like how how we say, you know, things come in pairs and it's meant to be complementary. One cannot exist without the other. Mm-hmm. And it's a passage in the Quran, you know, talking about he created, you know, the day for work and being able to earn it and he's created the night for rest. And in the same ayah, he was talking about men and women and then he said the day to earn and the night to rest. He said he created the mountains to hold the earth firm and he's created the earth as a cradle, as a resting place, as a place of growth. And I remember when I first heard that, because I remember Naman Ali Khan, Ustad Naman, he was explaining that, he goes, look how beautiful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is showing the man and the woman through the night and the day, and the mountains and the earth. And I remember when I first heard that, I was like, wow, that's so beautiful. Do we say the mountains better than the earth? No. Do we say the day is better than the night? No. I think that's just another thing that's important to remember is that you are perfect just the way you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And your worth as a woman comes from God alone. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I know we all know that cognitively, at least I hope, but sometimes we don't feel that way. I know the word empowerment can sometimes be frowned upon, particularly like in some situations, but I truly do think there's not really a better way of saying it, that we as women are empowered by Allah. Like that's where our worth comes from. I would say it's also adding to that. Perhaps um, another word that comes to mind is liberation. You're freed from the shackles of society's expectations. And it's like in the Quran where it says, have you not seen the one who has multiple masters? And that's what it's referring to, society, media, whether it be other values that exist. If you have multiple masters, compare that to having one master. You know, who's the most beautiful? Like, yes, I think the most merciful. Mm. So remember, sisters, love yourself and love Allah, and you'll be set. (laughs) That's the motto. Okay. Um, Just like, you know, from our conversations and how we were talking about the importance of rest and being able to find those moments, it can get hard. So I wanted to hear if you actually have tips um, that you've picked up and you're like, oh, wow, this works so well. And I wish, you know, a lot of people gave this a go to see, you know, um, of course, different things work for different people based on their lifestyles. But something that you've picked up that maybe us as university students or newly graduated or just entering university could really try and take on board because it's very difficult. You know how you mentioned the phone? We feel safe with it because like, oh, what if someone's calling me? What if somebody needs me? We always feel like, what if we, we're needed? But you can't pour from an empty cup. So how do we make that cup full? I mean, you make it full. I think rest will be our revolution, mm-hmm. if I'm honest. I, I think that resting allows for so many beautiful wonders internally. And as you were mentioning before, like we don't have time for integration anymore. Like we go through a day and then we go through another day and another day. And subhanAllah, I think these five, the five daily prayers now, this is my first example. That's spiritual rest. Yeah. The five daily prayers, um, I see them as spiritual rest. 
often when, you know, I use the word rest, people automatically think it's lying in bed, right? It makes sense to an extent. And there definitely is space for that. I do it a lot. However, rest can be found in so many different places in so many different ways. And the first way is prayer, um, praying to God. That is very restful. That's And um, as I have mentioned in one of my pieces, is that love is restful. It's that sense of safety and it's that sense of being able to a- allow yourself to give up what you think you're holding, what you what you think you're in control of, that's very restful. That's very restful for the mind, the body, and the heart especially. So I think that's spiritual rest. And spiritual rest can also just look like making du'a to God, reflecting, um, remembering him as well, subhanahu wa Allah. So that's a form of rest, I would say, that we should all, um, I guess, look at it that way as well, that it's restful. Um some other things that I do, it's hard because I may have read all of these different pieces of, you know, advice from these wellness coaches or whatever about, you know, how, how you should um, relax and what it means to just be calm and peaceful. But I'm still navigating that myself, to be honest. Mm. You know, I, I wish I could say, oh, I just go for a stroll when I need to rest or, oh, I just, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I actually don't go on a holiday. Go now. I look like, oh, I'm taking a weekend away. Like, okay. Yeah. I guess you packed up enough. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is as well, like, this, that's the thing now. Yeah. Now, and now some people think, you know what? Maybe I just need a break and need to move somewhere. But we've become very, now we don't want rest to be this very large thing. Something that's like unattainable. Something unattainable. You have to come from a certain lifestyle. Not everybody has the means to just go on a getaway. Without realizing, you know, that in and of itself can spiral into something that's a bad influence when we don't acknowledge known. You can find pockets of rest throughout your day. Yeah, as you were saying, not just about buying every single flavor of scented candle that exists, that kind of thing. It's just like, you know. But I do think it's about buying every different type of herbal tea you can find <laughs> at Woolies. No, no. I will say tea. I mean, I love I love making tea for myself because it's such an easy way to show yourself that you're, you know, you're taken care of, like um, at least you're taking care of yourself in that moment. So for me, I would say having a tea. Do not drink coffee when you haven't eaten anything. That's just a side note, guys. That is not restful for yourself. I know everyone's addicted to coffee, if you, but just if you want to have a restful afternoon, Drink a tea. Alhamdulillah, I haven't gotten forced onto that train yet. But I, I want to protect you and send you because I'm addicted now. To- oh, no. I, I, I wouldn't say addicted, but I'm get kind of getting, I get excited when the possibility of having during like so. During like the first 10 days of Dulhijjah, I think right before. Wow. That's why I love tea so much. Of course, I love the flavors and I love, you know, the benefits <laughs> and the medicinal properties of yeah. it. But what I love the most is the slowness that it forces you mm-hmm. into. And because as women, you know how naturally we thrive off warm environments that calms us down. And that's the thing. These foods are not slow, but they're also warm. Absolutely. I want to just share a quick story. And um, it's also very beautiful because from what I understand in um, Pakistani culture, um, as well as I think, honestly, any culture, wherever we come from, our ancestors have ways of understanding the body. So hmm. our tradition, um, our ancestry, has uh, they've always worked with herbs and with natural medicine. And 
um, obviously this is, it's just important to consider that um, listening to our mothers or our grandmothers, our great grandmothers, they have wisdom passed down. Mm. And so subhanAllah, like we may be able to say why it's good to have warm, you know, drinks. You're a bit too caught up in life and it's very hard for you to focus, really hard for you to stop always being like, what's the next thing I need to do and the next thing, next thing, sit down and having soup. Because you can't choose, like you can't just, you've got to blow on it, have it slowly and similar to the tea, it's warm. You have to take your time with soup. And these things, another benefit to that as well is it forces you to slow down. We can tell you why, but they just know. They just know. And there was one podcast I was listening to where someone mentioned that Indigenous peoples relied on their intuition to survive. Whether it was like, do I get this plant? Or maybe it's put like, you know, they would have had to learn from other situations. But I was reflecting on that one day when I went to the store and I was getting a little bit of a cold. And I saw these herbs, very basic ones, rosemary and thyme. And I felt really drawn to them. I don't know why, but I got them and made myself, I put them in my soup that night. And that night I read my little like plant medicine book. And at the, at the back, it said that rosemary and thyme are really good for the oncoming of colds. And I didn't like, obviously it was just like, my body was like, hey, just grab those because, you know, like Allah is taking care of you. Allah is taking care of you. Allah is the one who guides. And I think we've, this society facilitates that distrust with our bodies, um, unfortunately. And obviously there are so many beautiful and wondrous um, parts of medicine that continue to grow. It's just remembering as well that there's a beautiful balance between what our ancestors learned and what they passed down and what's also becoming and what we are now learning as well. So that was a that was sort of a wow moment for me, I think, because yeah, that so that's really, really beautiful. Yeah. Do we have a piece of me? A piece of advice. I mean I'm pretty much the baby here, so I don't think I have much to offer. Well, make apple tea when in doubt. Yeah, no, stop when in doubt, make apple tea. Yeah. yeah. That's my advice. <laughs> I think a lot of it as well just comes back to, you know, spending time with like my fellow, like just these conversations that we're able to have, especially with you, Haley. like, you know, whenever it's you leading a halakha and stuff. I think I just love being surrounded by like that feminine energy mm. and that kind of thing. I guess I'd, it's like a new term that's come up. I guess it's called being a girl's girl. I really genuinely do, do think I could describe myself that way. I just kind I love just being able to kind of like spend time with like my fellow girls, my friends who are, well, my, my friends, friends who are, are girls. Um, <laughs> And yeah, just, I feel like in a way, like my inner sense of self, like my inner compass is just so much more strong. And I know it feels like the purpose that like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given me just feels so much more clear and defined, I guess. So yeah, I guess for a lot of sisters as well, like if you can just spend time with your fellow girls, I guess, like get in touch with your femininity, you know, just give yourself that comfort space and mm -hmm. make apple tea together, I guess. It could yeah, be do something really nice. Be able to experience, you know, live offline, experience, as you say. Yeah, experience Cap life. Yeah, you sometimes, sometimes you just got to, as um, we were talking about, set boundaries for ourselves, go offline and be able to create experiences in the real world, not in the online world. Yeah. Um, we usually do end off with what is your favorite area, but we already touched on that beautiful sun and moon one. We did, we did. Oh, something that's been... Um, 
on your mind at the moment. So thank you so much. We probably, because we had so many things to talk about, we will likely have Haley on again or maybe have a part two, who knows? So thank you so thank much. Thank you so much for coming and contributing everything. that you've. It's always a pleasure to listen to you, Haley. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to speak and to listen to the both of you as well. So yeah, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Right, and we'll leave it off at that. Thank yes, you so thank much. Thank you so much, everyone. And remember, because it's Friday, make sure to listen to Surah Cup. And yeah. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum.